I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined by my husband and co-host, Josiah. Josiah, how you doing? I'm doing phenomenal. Thrilled to be in the studio, spending time with you, yep. the listener, and our guest today. Can you believe it, babe? I can believe it. So we've landed some one of our favorite people. I know I always have something from our email inbox. Um, we- weekly, weekly and monthly. Yeah, and monthly, yes. And that person is one of the, the leader of a very important organization that we get to be a part of and under the umbrella of the AG. So Josiah, do you want to share who that person is? I would love to. Here's the deal. We are joined today. I'll introduce him in just a second, but we're joined today by E. Scott Martin. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks, Mark and Josiah. We're so glad to be with you today. Really exciting. And Scott and Crystal Martin are the national directors, by the way, of Chi Alpha USA. Chi Alpha is a campus ministry student organization on over 300 colleges Mm -hmm. and university campuses throughout America and actually across the globe as well. And um, we get to serve, fun fact, I don't know if the listener knows this, Mm -hmm. but Mike and I are coming up on our fourth fall. That's right. Weeks away, days away from fall launch 2021. So we've been had the honor and privilege of serving Normandale Community College, um, bringing and pioneering a new campus ministry there. And that's what Chi Alpha, it's abbreviated XA, which stands actually for Christ's ambassadors. And we just believe that the opportunity of the university moment is a key time of four years of a student's life. Mm-hmm are going to impact the next 40 and beyond. And so the, you know, Chi Alpha gives students the opportunity to find Jesus, follow him for a lifetime, transform the university, the marketplace, the world. Come and on, come on, you got it, got it, you got it, come on. So for the listener, we're going to focus on campus ministry and really That's being great. the hands and feet of Jesus, going to where the students are at their turf, on their territory, meeting them at their table. But Scott, could you just dive in? Before we dive into campus ministry, can you just give us maybe a glimpse, a high-level overview of your story of life, salvation, family, and ministry today? Oh, boy, yeah. That, that'd that take a full hour. I'll condense it here really tight. <laughs> I, you know, I'm only a picture of, of God's purpose and destiny. I was born to a single parent, never saw my natural father. Um, the only male, male figure in my family was my grandfather. He committed suicide when I was five in the house. My mom died when I was eight. So I was basically orphaned. And the Martin family were a good Christian family. Won't go into a whole lot of details, but they invited me in. So I, I ended up um, joining their family. The neat thing was I got a new mom and dad. Um, the challenging thing is that three sisters came with the package. Oh, my gosh. So, so they, they moved to rural Arizona. And uh, I grew up in a small a small church there, small rural church on a really good Sunday. There was 40 people. And I, I never really backslid, didn't give my parents any, any trouble. But when I started hitting my teenage years, there's no real fire of God in my life. I was basically nominal. Mm-hmm. And there's no real hunger that was there. And uh, when I graduated from the high school there and from the church, I decided to go to the University of Arizona, get my medical doctor degree, live my dream life with my five bedroom house in the foothills and all the toys. And 
so I, my high school is only 262 students in my high school, 64 students in my graduating class. So I was from a small school. So I go to the University of Arizona, my first day, my undergraduate is in biology. My master's is in soil and water science. Right now I'm wrapping up my doctor, my doctorate of ministry right now. So I'm right at, at Amazing. the part. Yeah, I'm in my, my thesis right now. But my first day, I'm an undergraduate you know, from the small campus. Well, my first class was Cell Bio 102. 350 students were enrolled in the course. So oh, I'm great. coming from a high school of only 262 <laughs> to 350 in my first course. So I'm sitting in the back of the class. I'm kind of intimidated. The professor got up. He had not handed out a syllabus yet. And he asked this question. He said, how many of you believe in evolution? And I saw 338 raise their hands and say, hey, we believe that evolution is a creative force. Number. I'm going to tell you how I know 338. Because he asked a follow-up question. He said, how many of you believe that God created the earth? And I saw 11 students raise their hands. I counted those 11. And being the good nominal Christian I was that day, I decided I would abstain from the vote. So <laughs> I didn't cast my, my lot in. But I mean, for the first time in my life at the age of 18, I had a word from God. I mean, God clearly spoke to me. And, you know, he knows how to speak your vernacular. And Holy yeah. Spirit speaks to me. Here's direct quote, direct quote. He said, Scott, you are a weenie Christian who doesn't have the courage to take a stand for me. Oof. Yeah, yeah, pretty bad for your first word from God. You know, I had a revelation of who I was. And basically, if I just kind of interpret it, it's just, Scott, you don't have what it takes to be the man of God that I've ordained you to be outside of the insular environment. See, I was a good church kid. Man, I mean, I knew when to, I knew how to respond to the altar. I knew when to raise my hands. I knew when to cry. I knew when to say, man, I knew all that kind of stuff. I was a good church kid. But I was basically a Christian narcissist. Mm -hmm. I wanted just enough Jesus to keep me out of hell, but make all my dreams come true. You know, mm -hmm. that's, kind of, that's kind of where I'm sitting at. Um, so it was shocking to me. I got, I started seeing these posters up all over campus. InterVarsity Christian Fellowship meets tonight in the Student Union Catholic Lounge room, 285, 7 p.m., that's how clearly I still remember that. Wow. So, and I think all this goes right into the importance of what we do every day on the university. Yes. So here I am, this little narcissistic church kid. That night, I said, I got to get there. I said, I got to get to this meeting. So I drug my unsaved roommate. We come walking in about 10 minutes late. There are about 80 students crammed in that room, one acoustic guitar, but they were going for God with a passion and authenticity that I'd never experienced from my own age group without some form of manipulation. Yeah. I mean, they were going for God and it triggered something in my heart, you guys. I mean, something triggered says, whatever it is they have, I need that. Mm -hmm. And so the meeting got over and it was all student run. I'm about ready to, to leave. And one of their upperclassmen caught me before I got to the door and his name was Paul. He just started talking to me a little bit. He said, Hey, you know, your first day. Yes. Where are you from? So he chats with me a little bit. How about doing breakfast with me tomorrow morning? Sure. So I didn't even check my schedule. Next morning, I'm sitting down with Paul at 8 a.m. in one of our cafeterias in the union. And he just begins to query me a little bit. He says, now, now Scott, you know, um, why'd you pick the U of A? What are you studying? Tell me about your family. Uh, tell me a little, now let's go a little about your spiritual background. Um, and he said, how long have you been a Christian? Okay. Then he asked me this question. How's your quiet time? I said, my, my what? He said, your quiet time. I said, I, I'm doing, I'm getting about six, six hours sleep a night. You know, I think I'm doing really well. I had no reference. Hey man, I've been raised in the church since I was eight. 
But I had no reference whatsoever of what he's talking about. So he began to just teach me the daily principles of reading the Bible and praying for yourself. And so I started doing that. And Josiah and Michael, there's something powerful when you as an individual begin to assume responsibility for the words of Jesus. Yeah. I'm not just talking the corporate deal, the corporate church or the corporate chiapha group taking responsibility. But when you as an individual do, there's something powerful. And it was there at the U of A. I'm not saying I wasn't saved. I was saved, but it was at the University of Arizona that I bowed my knee and I said, I'm all in, Jesus. I'm all in to be your disciple. And uh, it was out of that that we pioneered Chi Alpha as students at the University of Arizona. And uh, I was uh, taking classes at medical school when the Lord called me to uh, be the first um, Chi Alpha staff person, first initial pioneer director at the University of Arizona. So amazing. That's why I ended up there. Yeah. That's incredible. Oh my gosh. What a lot. Oh, let me tell you what, man. We saw God move as students i mean signs and wonders students delivered of demon powers uh, students healed saved it was powerful man and the crazy thing is another crazy thing the true thing is that god is still moving in those same ways it's just whether or not we're going to recognize it whether or not we're going to lean into that and be willing to be the hands and feet of christ no That's matter right. where we go if we're claiming to be a believer and following him like are we truly being christ's ambassadors yeah. Yeah. And Scott, I would just ask you this. What would you say the vision of Chi Alpha is for somebody who's listening who has no concept of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was uh, a good friend of mine who's a missionary in the Middle East. We were in Hong Kong together and we're looking out over the pier. It's a perfect evening. I'm uh, looking over the pier. The ships were, were moving in right at sunset. And he leans over in this contemplative way and he says, Scott, in one sentence, what does Chi Alpha do? Now, I don't think he thought I could answer that question, but I thought about it for a few seconds. And I said, Chi Alpha disciples university students to fulfill their purpose in God's global plan. That is what we do. We disciple university students to fulfill their mission in God's global plan. So the vision of Chi Alpha, you know, it's to give every student an opportunity to respond to Christ while they're on the campus. But our big goal is to disciple them, to raise up men and women of God who exemplify Christ and exemplify his word and truly live it out for God's total global plan in their lives. So if you're asking, what's that? That's what we do. And, you know, of course, our mission, I'll give you the abbreviated. We reconcile students to Christ, transforming the university, the marketplace and the world. But we do it by discipling university students to fulfill their mission, God's global plan. It is amazing, and that resonates with Mike and I's heart, mm -hmm. our passion, and the listener, too. Uh, I just trust that you're maybe in the car, mm -hmm. doing a workout, wherever you find yourself. Maybe you're on campus or on your way to campus, and I trust that that resonates with your heart as well, of just seeing what God's maybe done in your life, what God's done in our life, and the potential that for too long, the university has been the devil's playground, mm -hmm. and this is such a strategic mission field. And we want to talk to you today about that. But before we do, you said something before we hit record, something that just like in the matter of the last few days was kind of um, stood out to you of what God's doing right now in the lives of young people across this country. You want to talk about just reach the U, RUI? And, um, oh, yeah, yeah. I'd love to. I think really leading into that was that in, in May 2016, 
a prophetic word, word began to come forward through multiple credible sources that we were about ready to witness the greatest student awakening in history. It'd be awakening of kingdom courage, of kingdom abandonment, of kingdom power, of kingdom discipleship and kingdom covering. So what was interesting about if you do any historical study of great awakenings, the awakening of 1806, awakening of the second great awakening in the 1850s, right? Um, you, you find out that they were always started by students. It was university students who were used in such, such critical, critical ways to advance the kingdom of God. And so this word began to come forward. But when I heard, you know, the greatest student awakening history, I'm like, okay, boy, what is this going to look like? And these awakenings could take 25, 30 years as they began to unfold. Absolutely. But they changed the moral maze of the United States of America. They shifted things in a radical, radical way. And so that came in 2016 and Chi Alpha and across InterVarsity crew, you know, navigators, everybody were seeing all the, the nascent signs of awakening. But then COVID comes and everything just gets body slammed shut, you know, and you're sitting there going, okay, where does this lead us now? You know, how, how is this beginning to unfold? Campuses are shut down. We can't be on. I can tell you, ministry, Christ's ministry did not stop on campus. And there were still, I mean, those people who worked for the kingdom were still seeing fruit. And I really believe that COVID probably has set things up for awakening in a greater level than ever before. People who have been in isolation, um, restricted um, means of communication, getting together, all that has really set people um, the loneliness, and they want to get together. I mean, they're more open than ever before. One of our uh, campus directors at, uh, in Chi Alpha said that he connected with a freshman, and normally you get five minutes with a freshman. You know, you get about five minutes, and he was connected with a freshman. He said an hour later, an hour later, the freshman broke down in tears. He'd been talking with the freshman, broke down in tears. So our Chi Alpha guy said, man, what, what's wrong? Can I pray for it? What's wrong? He said, you're the first person to speak to me in 24 hours. Wow. Powerful. And I've heard those stories replicated. I mean, there's a sense, there's a desire to get together. People are more open than ever before. It started forcing people to think of their mortality and their future. All that, all that just comes together really for what I see for awakening. So we just had the largest um, reach the U conference in Chi Alpha's history. Reach the U is our introductory um, conference where we begin to really introduce our new incoming staff to Chi Alpha, to our ministry philosophy, to our national team. That's what is we had. We had 400 in attendance. I mean, I can tell you, this is probably my 28th Reach the U to be at. This class, there was a level of maturity there was a, a level of hunger, a level of attentiveness, a, a level of just um, energy that I have not seen from these RUI classes. I mean, it was powerful. And I, I remember the conclusion of that, just saying, you know, these people coming on campus, these are the fodder for awakening. These are the people who will be conduits of awakening and the Holy Spirit on the university. So man, I am pumped. I am excited about what God is doing. And I don't think this is just Chi Alpha. 
I think I think crew and intervarsity navigate. I think everybody would be kind of saying the same thing right now. So, man, it's a time of of expectation. That's right. I love so many things about that. And just want to thank you for your leadership too, Scott, because it's, I think it's easy to show up in a fourth year and kind of maybe start thinking about autopilot. So to, so to be 26, (laughs) 27, 28 years into not doing an event, but setting the groundwork for awakening Mm -hmm. on the college campus. And I think that that's amazing to just be expecting a new thing and trusting that God's doing a new work. And I know that some of the phrases or even just the vision that God's given you has had a wide implication in a far reach beyond Chi Alpha, beyond the Assemblies of God. I talked with our friend, Paul Wooster, who um, travels and, and leads with NAMB and the Southern Baptists. And he he caught wind of what you said about Pray about a year, give a lifetime. And he now is on like a close, mission. close, give a year and pray about a lifetime. But I like the way you said pray it better. Give I, a lifetime. I like the way you say it better. Give a year, give a lifetime too. and pray about the next year. I like that. That's what I've done. I, I know clearly what the uh, what the phrase is. And sometimes I get my words mixed up and God, I like yours better. That, that perfect, but no, pray about, you know, give a year, pray about a lifetime. Yeah. Sorry about that. I, and I talked with Paul and he's on a personal mission to see 2000 students in their ministry in the Southern Baptist. To, so I, I love this. Can you talk about that? Because I got it wrong and I should know it. My confession, my failure. I mean, Here's the thing right now. So if you just take, let's just stick with Kai Alpha. I'm so glad that Paul is grabbing that and running with that. Over 20,000 students involved in Kai Alpha. What would be the result if these students really took this seriously? If they said, you know, we will give a year to Christ's mission and his church overseas, maybe here in the States, but we're going to give a year to missionary service. I am telling you, we could change the world. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you send out that many ambassadors for Christ across the globe. We would see veritable awakening. We'd see people. I think would at least rush in the coming of the Lord because so many people be coming to Christ. It's about taking things really, really seriously. Here's one of the things I started realizing, you know, Chris and I pioneered the student missions arm at Chi Alpha. And at that point, there was nothing really deliberate that was happening in terms of mission in Chi Alpha. And I can remember just considering, you know, the Mormons give two years mm. and we've been giving excuses. Oh my gosh. And that kind of became a rallying cry of mine. The Mormons have been giving two years. We've been giving excuses. It's time for us to quit giving excuses and just step up and say, I will do this. I will volunteer to do this. Really good friend of mine, David Grant, who uh, long-term missionary to India. Right. Uh, you know, 40 plus, almost 50 years when he was in about year 36 or so, he puts his arm around me. And I've been talking about just how I've been sensing, just seeing this volunteer movement of Chiaphans rise up to the nations. He put his arm around me, said this, he says, Scott, I've been a missionary for 36 years. I don't even know if I was ever called the missions. I just volunteered. And I think so many times Satan has tried to put a deceptive little lie into the ears of people and say, especially students, you can't go on missions unless you have an audible voice from God. 
You can't go on missions. You can't be a missionary unless you have an angelic vision. Okay. You can't go on missions unless the man from Macedonia calls you in your vision. Okay. That's all a lie of the enemy. Who makes the best army? An army that's drafted or an army that volunteers? I tell you, a volunteer army always makes the best. And so I'm saying, I think Jesus is looking for people saying, here am I, pick me. Here am I, send me. We got 20,000. I trust those in Kaiafa will step and say, let's do this thing. We can change the world. So yeah. that's where that came from. I think that's so good. And I think you nailed it on the head because we've come across so many students and just ministry, whether it's in the church or whether it's through Kaiafa, that feel like they are they know they're called to some level, but they don't know how to be a missionary in the marketplace. They don't know how to say yes to a mission trip out of fear or doubt that they're not called to be a pastor in a form of ministry or of leadership or whatever you want to say there. So it's just decreasing their fear and increasing their curiosity of Come the power on, of yes, the power of invitation, the power to lean into the Lord's presence. And like you had said, get into that quiet place and understand the voice of God to understand the influence that you carry to understand, you know, all those different aspects. And we're such layered people, right? And totally. we, like you said, we try to make excuses to disqualify ourselves. And if we look at the word, well, who, did Come just, on. who did he call? They were like teenagers. Could you imagine? Okay, come follow me. Come follow me. Come on, girl. Yeah. And to see all those young people. And like you had already touched base, like anytime there's been a great awakening, it always started with young people, entrepreneurial spirits on fire for what God has and wanting and desiring more. And we know that reaching the next generation, that's our mission. Like that's, that's why we do what we do. And it's not even always how we do it. It's what's the condition of our heart and who are we taking with us? If we're going to be leaders, are there people actually following? Are we casting vision? Are we able to um, identify the characteristics of Christ? And are they able to identify that in my life? Am I living that out? And uh, I would just be curious to hear your specific answer to this question, because everybody has a different opinion about this or a different outlook or just why their heart bleeds for what it does when it comes to ministry. And why do you believe that reaching the next generation is so vitally important? Sure. Let me just go back to one thing you said, Michael, that was in. Yeah, sure. And I feel like, well, you know, I'm, I, I don't know if I'm called to be a pastor or whatever. That's fine. That that should not dictate your mission. Mission right. is about serving Christ in this, in this church. You know, my thing is, well, I'm called to have people come up. Well, I'm called to the marketplace. I'm called to be a school teacher. Wonderful. We have incredible teaching opportunities for you in Egypt. Mm-hmm. You know, we have incredible teaching opportunities in Kazakhstan, you know. Uh, so my thing, well, I'm called to be a nurse. Fantastic. Doctor. Excellent. We've got global opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the marketplace today is global. And so I don't let them just get by with just saying, yeah, I'm not called to be a pastor. Neither am I, mm-hmm. you know, um, but there's things that we can do to advance the kingdom. Okay. Getting back. Why is it so important? Um, you know, Christianity is always one generation from extinction. You know, we have to continually be reaching out, but I believe that this generation, I believe this present generation of university students today, COVID has been a little bit of a setback. But still, they've had privilege like no other generation, even in spite of some of the hardships. Um, finance, there's finance, there's passport skills. This generation 
has world-changing potential. And if they can really actualize that and step out and completely abandon themselves to the cause of Christ, um, man, we're, we're going to see some things happen that we've never seen before on earth. I really believe that. And I do believe this. I believe that we are at a historic moment right now in campus ministry. We're seeing things that we've never seen before in history in campus ministry. And I believe that all this speaks about God desiring to use this generation. They just have to bow their knee and say, I'm all in. Mm -hmm. That's good. And isn't it amazing? I think you're an example of this too, Scott, where you said yes, and God radically transformed your life as a college student, University of Arizona. And I just think of the potential that that can be harnessed. We as leaders get to steward unleashing that potential into awakening, into the nations, into the college campus. And maybe the leader listening, Scott, might be feeling a little bit discouraged. They might have faced some personal Mm -hmm. challenges, familial stuff, just a rough year. And and they might be in in a season where they're looking at fall of 2021 like a lot of us are. And realizing it calls for a total relaunch. The world has changed. You mentioned the global, you know, the really just the global reach of of everything with technology. And so for the listener, what encouragement can you give them going into what feels like relaunch for the fall of 2021? Sure. You know, it's it's mid-July right now. You got about one month. So if you don't have your act together, you haven't processed it. There's time. That's the good news. There's time to start processing this. Um, I think one, the first step is understanding God desires to do something great. If you do not put that at the forefront of what you're about ready to do, you're just going to see marginal. I mean, we have to really connect and understand Holy Spirit is desiring to do something great. If we're going to be his ambassadors on the campus, he's desiring to do something great through us. Yeah. If there's something that he is wanting to do if you're his through us. And I think first we have to get in the mindset of understanding God's desire to do something great. He is. We're at the nascent stages of awakening. We're seeing some things happen. Hey, I'm his ambassador on that campus. God wants to do something great through me. So I think that that mindset is something that we have to have. Now, understanding that there were setbacks that have happened. Some people... It might be a complete relaunch. I'm like going, what a remarkable opportunity. Mm-hmm. You get a whole fresh start, man. A whole new launching pad in a different environment where, like I said before, I think these students are more open than ever before. Yeah. And that's this. I'm, there's there's greater levels of openness. There, there's going to be greater levels of desire for connectivity and for relationship. I think it's time that we do some really good, good planning. I think that we strategize with Holy Spirit in terms of, of what are things that we can do to make connections with those students. And I think that there's a hunger level out there like we've never seen before. It's not going to happen if we just sit on our hands. It's not going to happen if we just say, well, it's can't happen. It's going to happen when we step up and we get on the campus. It's the power of presence. It's the power of connecting with students. It's the power of team, of getting others to come alongside us. The more people we have, the more people you can reach. And really raising up a generation of student leaders. So I think the relaunch 
you know, it gives us a whole new opportunity to really do some new things, try some new things and see some greater levels of efficacy on the campus. So that's great. We love new opportunities, a clean slate, an opportunity to start fresh, start new, and just allow God to download some fun new approaches in ministry and how to do that effectively, how to do that lovingly, how to do that with the ability to pivot when a pivot needs to take place. Yeah, have a fresh mindset, and, you know? Yeah. And yeah. we've reached one of our favorite spots of our podcast. So we have five minutes left. Are you ready for the five in five challenge? Let's go. Let's hear it. That's five questions in five minutes. Rapid fire answers. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. E. Scott Martin. Here we go. Question number one. You and Crystal lead as a team. For those of the listeners who do not know, how do you lead well as a married couple? Mm -hmm. um, we both cheer each other on all the time. So we're, we're each other's greatest advocates and I'm always opening doors for her. She's always opening doors for me. And there's never any level of ministry jealousy or platform jealousy. If she's on the platform, I'm going to be her biggest cheerleader. If I'm on the platform, she's going to be my biggest cheerleader. Well, we've understood that we're in this together. This is a mutual call. We celebrate each other and we always open up doors for each other. Perfect. That's beautiful. It's a model for Micah and I. And I've noticed a theme and a trend with the young people that we're seeing today is they want to do things together as a married couple. Like so many listeners, maybe you are single, but you have that desire to be married and to do ministry alongside your best friend. And that's a great model of cheering each other on. And Scott, would you just be willing to share a defining moment in ministry? Yeah, there were two of them. I'm going to have to pick between the two. I'm going with uh, a supernatural encounter. I was in my first year of campus ministry, um, 23 years old. I was at my home church, that little church I talked about, about 40, and had a demonic encounter that happened that was severe. I can't go into details, but I mean, a severe demonic encounter, demonic manifestation where the guy literally got up on the platform and was behind the rostrum and people were crying, screaming, 23 years old, no one had ever told me what to do with this stuff. Um, but Holy Spirit really spoke and gave some guidance. I saw the supernatural intervention, angelic intervention um, in this situation and ended up casting seven demons out of the young men, young man that day. And that gave me a level of spiritual discernment that would never leave from that. I started understanding what it really meant that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood and that the power of the supernatural realm and the angelic realm. And that has marked my ministry in life from that point forward. Absolutely. That would add that would probably. And on the university too, let me tell you this, man, <laughs> it marked how I operated on the university as well. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Here's a later question. If you could ask us any question today, what would you ask us? This is the curveball of the episode. Um, why isn't everybody healed when we pray? <laughs> that would be a question that I would always ask. Why, why is it that we pray and not everybody is, is healed? And so that's, that's one of the big questions, you know, that I still ask God today. Mm -hmm. I ask, I ask friends, Hey, tell me why. And, and I still ask God today. So that would be it. That's deep. Do you want us to take a swing at it too? 
No, you don't have to. I'm just saying that's the question I'd ask. <laughs> you can show you that one later because there's a lot to it, you know. I'll just, I'll take a, at least a bunt. I'll take a quick okay. Yeah, yeah, let's hear it. And, and that's this. I, and I've talked with Dr. Alan Tennyson. He was our professor of theology at North Central. Yeah, yeah I love Alan. And I think that he has given a framework that's helpful is that all healing is a sign of the resurrection. All healing, it's a sign of the resurrection and it, it's, it's by his stripes that we're healed. And I think that it's, it's okay to know that aside from that bunt mm -hmm. and aside from that swing, I don't know. I don't know why I, I have experienced, by the way, God healing me from tension headaches yeah. at a young age. So I've experienced tangibly mm -hmm. and I've also had more experiences, more encounters where the prayer has not been answered immediately or on this side of eternity. Mm -hmm. And so that leaves just my honest answer of I'll bunt, I'll take a quick swing of like, here's what I've experienced on both sides of it, but all healing. I do come back to that from Dr. Tennyson. It, it is a sign of the resurrection. Yeah, come on. Good. Good. That's good. Okay. Back to you. Question number four. Good. Thank you. That was a great answer. Thank you. <laughs> um, would you be willing to tell us maybe in, in this, I think that we look at our generation looks at the generation that has gone before us. And sometimes we, we think that there's been no setbacks, no hurts, no hurdles, no hangups. Is there a point of vulnerability that you'd go to say, you know what, I'm willing to share an epic failure in life, in leadership, or maybe even in campus ministry? Yeah, I, uh, and it started in my early days. I, I was so eager to get on campus. So th this would be, if I'm looking at um, what would I'd consider just an epic ministry failure. I was so eager to get on campus. I just, I said, God will provide. I'm not even going to worry about raising my, my budget, my funds. And back then, that's really how we operated. You know, hey, you just, just go on. I didn't build a team. Mm. It was just me. Um, I, I didn't have adequate funding. And not having that adequate funding restricted my vision. See, that's the, that's the epic failure. Not having the adequate funding restricted my vision. It restricted what I was able to do on a major NCAA D1 campus. Yeah. Now, God came through, but I'm talking at the beginning, that was the biggest fight. You know what? I probably missed three years. Hmm. Three years started where I just struggled and struggled and struggled. That had I had a full budget, how I'd take the time and raise a full budget and raise the team, we could have been so much further down the road major epic fail on my part. And that's why today we say, don't go on unless you're fully funded. I spun my wheels for years. That's amazing. Um, and it costs people. It costs people because I wasn't willing to do the hard work to raise the budget. Thanks for sharing that and yeah. going and going there. One of the things Mike and I believe, and we want, we believe there's plenty of money out there. So to tag team that and to encourage the listener, if they're, viewing it, we never want to have a scarcity mindset or a, a mindset that there's a, a shortage. There's always a surplus of mm -hmm. resources. And the reason we have not, if we have not, is not going to be because we didn't ask. So <laughs> I just want to throw that in there. You have not because you asked not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the things that we live by. All right. Last and final question, question number five. If you could tell a group of young adult pastors 
and young adult ministry leaders one thing, what would you leave them with today? Avoid the seduction of the visible. And there's something seductive about being able to motivate people, speak on a mic, getting a response, speaking, knowing you can get somebody to cry, knowing you can get them to laugh. There's something seductive about the lights, about when you get off the platform, people, oh, great job. That was awesome. Oh, man, that was incredible. You're How that can begin to settle in and you start thinking you really are all of that. Mm-hmm. I call that the seduction of the visible. And I've seen people to where they've almost fought over the mic. They have the last say. They couldn't wait to be on the light. The lights on the platform are not the lights for man to stand under. Okay. Um, we need to be concerned about the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ being shown about. That's what we have to be concerned about. So I'm saying anything young people is don't get caught in the trap of trying to prove yourself. Don't getting, don't get caught in the trap of ambition of ministry ambition, get caught in um, the culture of I'm here to serve and serve Jesus. And I hope nobody ever sees me and never put your name on anything. That's what I'll leave them. To leave the leader with and a humbling thought for those who struggle with pride or building our kingdom versus God's kingdom, right? And I've discovered we all struggle with that. Yes, we got to. I've discovered we've all struggled with that. And our younger ones coming in, our CMITs in Chi Alpha, the pressure to perform, the pressure to get your name out, the pressure to be seen, to be known. Don't fall into the trap. It's great. It's deep. Well, Scott, we just want to say thanks for your leadership in Chi Alpha and in the Assemblies of God. Thanks for your time today, encouraging Micah and I and the listeners to just keep going, to have a new mindset and to focus on what matters most, which is not our name. It is the name that's above every other name. So we just once again, want to say thank you so much. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks, you guys. You Got it. Until next time, Josiah and Micah here. And if you want to find out more about E. Scott Martin or Chi Alpha Assemblies of God USA, you can connect with us at youngadults.today. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.